Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Well, we don't know. When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Well, Al, another exciting week in athletics. The NBA playoffs heads closer to its second round. Major League Baseball continues its excitement. People start maybe paying attention to that. But nobody circles the wagons quite like the National Football League in life. And on this show, because we have to talk about it, that's what the people want to hear. And we just so happen to be recording this show live during the first round of the NFL draft. Half a million people braving the 85-plus temperatures of Las Vegas standing for three and four hours to hear the most hated boss in NFL history read an attendance list out. People love this thing. You can't get enough of it. It's all over Twitter. It's all over the Internet, the NFL draft. Christmas morning for you people, you NFL fans. I couldn't care less about it. And as a Denver Broncos fan, we already had our draft. We got Russell Wilson. We have nobody in the first round. We have no picks. We have no picks. So I could just sit back, relax, and enjoy the show while the Baltimore Ravens are closely on the clock for a second pick here in the first round. Al's Baltimore Ravens. So we're excited to hear his live reaction to whomever they decide to take, whether or not he'll be happy or saddened. And that's all I'm all about tonight is enjoying people's happiness, agony, dismay, and optimism for the future because that's what the draft is all about. Everybody has the chance to win the Super Bowl tonight. It is always great to be with you again, my partner, the great John Tiny Lund. And he sits back as he's got his – Brand Spank, a new shiny quarterback, and no picks in the first round. And here I sit praying, okay, that I'm going to get a pass rusher and assuming that the guy I want is going to be gone. Lo and behold, it looks like they're all gone as corners and, and edge rushers go early and often. And lo and behold, at 14, there I am. And Jermaine Johnson, the best player on Mel Kuyper's board, still available is there. And the Ravens take the safety, Kyle Hamilton, from Notre Dame who is a very highly rated player, but he's a safety. And they signed the safety. And I need a pass rusher because I can't sack anybody. And then the Ravens, lo and behold, they trade Hollywood Brown for the 23rd pick in the draft to the Cardinals. And somehow, some way, Jermaine Johnson the second is still there. And I'm, I'm sitting there with bated breath when – the Packers are picking at 22 and they take a linebacker. I'm like, beautiful. He's still there. And then the Ravens trade the 23rd pick to the bills for the 25th pick. <laughs> and the bills take the quarterback from Florida. So no, I am once again, holding my breath to see if Dallas steals him away. 
All right, there was a 1% chance that he would be available at this stage of the proceedings. And there's Jerry Jones. You're going to take me, you're going to take, you're going to tell me the Jones boys are going to take my past pass rusher as I got to look at Steven Jones smiling like the cat that swallowed the canary. I want you, Ray Johnson. Oh, my goodness. Got to be bagging me. This stuff is wild. It really is. They may take Devin Lloyd to the Utah linebacker. Folks, the NFL draft is an event unlike any other in sports. Like the big guy said, it is Christmas morning for NFL fans. Trades galore as teams have been trading up, down, uh, for wide receivers everywhere you look because it's become a passing league. Wide receivers, edge rushers, cornerbacks, lots of them. Okay, going back, forth, back, forth. Guys, cats from Georgia, cats from Alabama, dudes from Ohio State. They're dominating. We'll see who the Cowboys pick. But it is a day where the Jets and the Giants both had two picks in the first 10. All right, the Jets get their two. The Giants get their two. They both draft big-time guys, and they draft well. And the pick is in for the Cowgirls. Let's see if they steal my pass rusher who somehow some way is still sitting there at 24 everybody talks about the fact that they need offense in terms of that offensive line which was at one time the best offensive line in football they also could use receivers because they lost two in trades and free agent signings but a lot of wide receivers not left on the board in terms of first rounders because so many have already gone in the first round. So, of course, I'm sure they're going to take the guy I've been holding my breath for this entire draft. It would be very Cowboys for them to do that, too. I don't know if you have anybody on the inside. Now's the time to send a couple text messages to somebody that could make a change of mind, potentially, for the Joneses. I, I, I don't think I, I don't think AWP is going to be able to do anything. <laughs> I guess the if the Cowboys is, do something well, it is drafting in the first round. They often are at least okay with that. Now, granted, the end result usually isn't what Cowboys fans want. It doesn't necessarily go the way that they would love it to go once the season actually comes to fruition. But at least on paper, Cowboys fans are generally usually happy about things go. But we're now keeping our fingers crossed that it doesn't go perfect for this exact pick. Maybe for them, but not for Al. We'll see. Very exciting. That's why I want to start the show we did to get a live reaction. And then how about what happens if the Cowboys don't take him? Tyler Smith, tackle. Again? There you go. Offensive tackle, Tulsa. Still there, and the Ravens haven't traded the pick yet. <laughs> They're going to take the center from Iowa. You watch. Oh, I guarantee it. Meanwhile, a huge night for the New York football fans. The Giants, uh, you know, we heard all the talk about uh, Thibodeau from Oregon dropping down, issues with his effort, personality, etc. They take him off the board early at five after the Jets had taken uh, the number one cornerback we thought would be the number one cornerback, Sauce Gardner, but jumping up ahead of him, who obviously climbed the ladder, a guy who they thought would be a top pick in the draft a couple of years ago, but uh, Derek Stingley Jr., who kind of fell out of favor because of the injuries, and somebody thought, you know, some thought not that hungry, uh, didn't play that much the last couple of years at LSU. He skyrocketed back up the board, went three to the Texans, then the Jets take uh, Sauce Gardner from Cincinnati. Uh, Thibodeau goes to the Giants at five. Then the Giants come right back in the seventh spot and take the big offensive lineman uh, from Alabama, uh, Gardner. And then 
the Jets are at 10, and they take the guy who I thought was the number one wide receiver in the draft who turned out he wasn't the first one to go because the Falcons, who everybody had taking Wilson from Ohio State, take Drake London, the uh, Mike Evans lookalike from USC, and that leaves uh, the Blazer, the Sky, the Skywalker, Garrett Wilson from Ohio State for the Jets at 10. So both the Jets and the Giants getting four big-time college athletes, big-time successful players uh, at the top of the draft. Jets and Giants fans uh, haven't been able to be happy about very much lately. They should certainly be happy about the first round tonight. The disappointing thing for me, as you'd imagine, and as per the show, you can't bet on the NFL draft in New York. They won't allow it. Several states actually won't allow it because they don't view the draft as a sporting event. So you're unable to put any money down where your mouth is, which is half the fun. And really for somebody that has no interest in the first round, because his team has no picks, a great reason to watch who's going where it was interesting as always every year to watch how the lines move as the weeks progress for whom will be the number one pick. And Trayvon Walker ended up, I think, like minus 450 or minus 500 a couple hours before the draft. It was just a drastic move of the line that he was going to go number one. We talked about Aiden Hutchinson. There were all all sorts of guys, but that was it. All I heard the last three days from the guys who were, and it wasn't a question of who you think should be the first pick in the draft. Everything I heard from everybody who was on the inside of talking to the GMs, et cetera, was that he was going to be the first player picked. And a lot of people didn't think he should have been the first player picked, but supposedly it was a, uh, a I don't want to say a war, but a, con- a contest slash conflict between the owner and the GM and Trent Balky, uh, who's destroyed franchises in the past. We know he's brutal. Uh, he is the GM at Jacksonville, and he got his way. He wanted uh, Walker, and I believe the owner – uh, wanted Hutchinson. I'm not sure, or an offensive line. I'm not sure which. But uh, Trent Balky got his way, and he got, you know, Trevon Walker, who, you know, killed it at the combine. His numbers were, you know, in terms of production, not great uh, on that Georgia defense, uh, but skyrocketed up the board because of his performance, at, which is often the case at the NFL combine and. The general manager won the uh, he won the decision making contest over the owner, and uh, I think it'll be another one where Trent Baalke screws up again and uh, sends another franchise straight into purgatory because he has proven in the past he doesn't know what he's doing, and somehow, some way, he keeps getting jobs, and uh, I just don't think it's the right pick. I, I would have taken Hutchinson. I would have taken an offensive lineman to protect my hotshot quarterback. You know, how about one of these left tackles to protect my quarterback? But they don't do it. They take uh, Walker from Georgia with the first overall pick. And uh, then it was pass rusher after pass rusher after pass rusher and cornerback, cornerback, cornerback. And then the wide receivers, six wide receivers so far. Six. Most ever in the first 20 picks. How much can a draft like this potentially benefit NFL teams in that there wasn't a staunch quarterback class where we see names going one, two, three, people trading up and down. Like last year, for example, five went in, what, the first 15? Just crazy off the board right away. 
teams trying to get their franchise guys, where now you're able to get potentially a, a sleeper quarterback, if you will. You don't have to pay him as much money. And it could turn a franchise around either as a starter or somebody that'll have the opportunity, which we've seen benefit quarterbacks for feels like centuries, to sit behind a starter, learn the offense, learn the National Football League, get in some practice reps, and then when they are ready, they get thrown into the fire and it's not as hot because they've had that experience before them. A team could definitely have that type of benefit because there's still several quarterbacks that I think could help NFL teams, but they're not going to go off the board in the first round here, it appears. Well, remember, you also have to have players. You have to have good football players. And what they said about this draft is there's not a great quarterback draft, but it was a deep draft. There weren't these overwhelming guys who you thought were the slam dunk number one choices. Uh, It was close. It was tight. We saw a lot of jockeying and a lot of moving uh, you know, amongst the first dozen guys in terms of even the wide receivers when London moved up and uh, Stingley went flying up the board again and Thibodeau went back up the board. Basically, you know, they kind of wound up where they were originally going to be. There was a time frame when people thought Stingley was a top five, top five pick. He fell out of favor. Boom, he goes number three. You know, Thibodeau was arguably going to be the first pick in the draft. Then he fell down the board. Boom, he jumps back up to number five. So you you need good football players at the various positions, and there are still quarterbacks available out there, i.e. one Baker Mayfield, potentially Jimmy Garoppolo. So you don't have to necessarily go the draft route to get a quarterback that could be an impact player for you this year in the NFL. Very interesting, and it always is with the NFL draft, and especially now with the format, having a three-day weekend for you obsessed fanatics out there that can't get enough of things. You think one night is enough? Nay, nay. We need two. We need another one after that. All day Saturday, most of Friday night, second and third rounds, the remaining rounds. It's just a crazy time as football fans, and especially in the last five, six, and seventh round, the, the dives that people are doing into these players. Where they find them, I have no idea. I haven't known about college players since NCAA and EA Sports stopped making that college football game. I'm Saturday's not playing a huge it. day. And what am Saturday's, I going to do? How am I going to know anybody? Saturday, Saturday's where, here we go. Saturday's where you really make a draft. Come on, baby, one time. What's the spend? Son of a bitch. Son of a it. bitch. You mother, you got to be kidding me. They peaked the, the oh, Folks, take Jesus a guess real quick. Who do you think it is? Who do you think they Unbelievable. took? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. The cat's still sitting there. You couldn't sack a bag of potatoes this year. You couldn't sack groceries. All right, he's still there. And you take the big banana head blockhead center from Iowa. Oh, Jesus. Give me strength. Tyler Linderbaum. He sounds like the, the trainer in Seinfeld. Malobaum, oh Malobaum. He's going to be leading your He's not even that big at 6'2 and 296. How do you take Tyler Linderbaum with Johnson still there? He's still sitting there at 25. This is ridiculous. No pressure on the quarterback at all, and you take a safety and a center. Ugh. Unbelievable. Athletes galore, and the Ravens take a cat who ran a 4-6-40 from Notre Dame who dropped like a rock coming off an injury at a 295-pound center. Eric DaCosta, what are you doing? Yeah, that's where we're at. 
Not what we were looking what for. We could have had quite a moment on the show. Doing? Where is my pass rusher? Where is my pass rusher? I guess on Saturday. That's what we're going to have to wait for. Yeah, but this cat was arguably a top 10 pick, and he is still sitting there. And you traded Marquise Hollywood Brown. Yep. So I've lost a wide receiver. I haven't got a cornerback, and I you know I wanted a cornerback, and I wanted a pass rusher. Those are the first two picks I was like, pass rusher, cornerback. I have neither, and I don't have one of my top wide receivers. Well, I could do without, but give me that top match pass rusher to go with the safety. What are you doing? And what am I? They're showing films to Tyler Linda about wrestling. I don't give a shit what kind of wrestler he is. What do I care what kind of wrestler he is? He can't hold guys in the NFL. Those are penalties. That takedown's not going to get you two points in the NFL. They, 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 they get your laundry. They get your yellow laundry. Speaking of that, with wide receivers, did you make anything of the Eagles kind of shaking things up a little bit? Getting A.J. Brown from the Titans for the 18th and 101st overall pick. They'll pay him $100 million for four years, $57 million guaranteed. So there's somebody for Jalen Hurts to throw the ball up to and not have it dropped at least. And, you know, the Tex- the uh, the Titans couldn't pay him that much. Didn't want to pay him that much. They went to a point. So they draft his replacement. You know, very similar player uh, with maybe a little more speed, the cat from Arkansas. And, uh, you know, they get picks and they don't have to pay out nearly as much money. So uh, they work out all right. And, you know, the Jets are picking again with the 28th pick. What a day for them. Excuse, excuse, excuse me, the 26th pick. They'll probably take the pass rushing. They'll take them. Of course. I need the Ravens to trade up now for another pick. At the end of the first round, to get the pass rusher, you need to trade their second round pick and two third rounders, okay, to move up. A little disappointing for me. I, I, I am incredibly disappointed. I was so excited about this draft that I was going to get a premier player. And I don't think I got one at either position. Of course, neither spot. See, my disappointment is a little different. It comes in the production. Remember a couple years ago. When, for whatever reason, ESPN and ABC centered in on what was seemingly the worst tragedies to ever happen to these football players. You know, T. Higgins' mom was in rehab for 16 years. LaVisca Chenault watched his dad get hit by a car and die when he was growing up. It was like, tell me your height, your weight, your school, your favorite food, and the, and the worst thing that's ever happened. The worst, the, wor- the worst moment of your life. Because we're going to focus on that. Like, that has any wager on, on how they're going to play in the National Football League. Tragedies that have happened to them previously to this moment. They seemingly have done away with that after the internet ripped them to shreds that that was something that was a talking point. So I'm somewhat disappointed. They didn't go back to that well, but it makes 100% sense to stop. Whosever idea that was, put an end to it. We don't need to know about the worst thing that's happened to this person the first time we're meeting them for some people on national television. So that at least has been something rectified from the NFL draft. Back in person, 
tons of people, Roger Goodell, all smiling with these players, bear hugs on the stage, the whole nine in Las Vegas of all places. The Jets take Jermaine Johnson. What a draft. There he goes. They get a premier corner, a premier wide receiver, and a premier pass rusher. And I get a slow safety from Notre Dame who fell down the board and a 295-pound short-arm center from Iowa. Jesus H. Christ. Oh, man. Oh, man. Shevitz. Now, if the Jets could only get that quarterback. <sighs> they still have time. We just mentioned you could find a quarterback late in the round. Zach Wilson, who? See ya. <laughs> we got our new guy, whoever that may be. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. Talking the NBA, despite our Los Angeles Lakers not even sniffing the playoffs and now just throwing GMs and whoever can be thrown under agents. Everybody's getting thrown under the bus for everything that's gone wrong. Jerry the West only is good news we have not great. on the Lake, the only good news we have on the Laker front was the little story we heard the other day is that Jay Rice has not ruled out the NBA. That's right. We talked about that so last week. We have our fingers ti- crossed, and he didn't it's say time, no. It's time for in his non Laker capacity as employee, but as full-time Laker supporter, it's time for Magic Johnson <laughs> to make the call. Really? Go on Twitter and tell out. Jay Rice, all right, we love you and we need you and we want you in LA. Absolutely. What a great job Jay Wright has done at Villanova. And then just do what you do. Type the stats out and hit send. Just let everybody kind of get their memories refreshed on what he's done in college basketball. And we'll see what happens. Bring and remember back. he was, he was on this, the coaching staff in the Olympics. Right. So, you know, he has experience with the big boys. Oh, would be a, he'd be, be a great fit for the Lakers. Slick that hair be, back a new suit, every home game. My goodness. He's got a suit Zach, guy. I mean, let's get back to the suits, please. Enough of these, you know, the logo stuff, the sweatsuits. Let's get back to the suitors on the sidelines. Let's go back to looking sharp. Let's go back to the right. Let's go back to the Riley look. Well, the biggest thing to update on this show wasted little time because the Brooklyn Nets didn't win a game. Just got swept out of the building by the Boston Celtics in four games. Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant went to Brooklyn to make magic happen and have just really been a laughing stock of the NBA for their time there, especially for this year. Kevin Durant's injury obviously derailed some things, the pandemic, et cetera. Well, the pandemic this year too, because Kyrie Irving decided he wasn't going to play his home games because he didn't want to get vaccinated. That obviously put a schism amongst the team and any kind of correlation or momentum that you'd like to build going into the postseason wasn't as strong as they wanted it to be, as he said. Ben Simmons was a ghost, decided he didn't want to play basketball, but was happy to cash those checks every two weeks. And the Boston Celtics showed that their young core is all grown up and they can play basketball now. So home go the Nets. Kyrie Irving 
optimistic about next season, excited to work with management. It's his team. He can't wait. Kevin Durant, all smiles after the game. It's a sour taste in your mouth, though, if you're a Brooklyn Nets fan or a fan of the league when two of the top 10 players get sent home. Can't even win a game. Can't even win a game against the Boston Celtics in the opening round of the postseason. Not great. Not a great look at all. But for people that don't like them, happy days. Twitter was a glorious place after the end of that game. That's really the best time to be on Twitter is when tragedy happens to sports teams, especially sports teams that are disliked, players that are disliked. The internet can't get enough of it. It was a glorious night when they went down, as you'd expect. It's like the buzzards coming in. Absolutely. And, you know, Kevin Durant, we know, is a brilliant player. He's an all-time great, whether you want to put him in the top 20 where I have him. Some have him as high as top 10, which is ridiculous. But nonetheless, he's a top 20 player. And he's been brilliant in the playoffs, back-to-back MVPs. And he was, first three games of the series, he was terrible, awful, uh, shockingly bad. And he played a little better uh, the third game, but only took 11 shots. Fourth game was better, but it wasn't good enough. And Kyrie Irving wasn't very good in any of the games, with the exception of game one when he was great. What I couldn't understand, and you are the gambling man, uh, I could never understand how the Nets were constantly at the top of the Vegas favorite board. Originally, when they had the threesome before the Harden deal, they were at the top of the board. Uh, Then the issues with Kyrie not playing, they dropped down a little bit. Then Kyrie comes back and the issues with Harden. And they were still, even though they were losing games, in the midst of the favorite list. And then as they move back into playoff contention and got themselves into the play-in, they jump way up the board again, almost to the extent of being the favorite in the East. Some places they were the favorite in the East. And I, I could never, I just never saw it. I never saw it. They couldn't guard. They were too small. And, you know, they had a guy who sometimes he's terrific and other times you can't figure him out. And that's exactly what Kyrie Irving was in this series. He had one fabulous game, which they lost uh, down the stretch when they had two bad possessions and fell asleep defensively. And then he was totally ineffective the last three games. And the Celtics were the better team. Uh, They were two or three best teams in the league second half of the season. And if they didn't dominate them, they didn't go out and win these games by 25, 30 points. I thought they would win the series in five. They won in four. The games were closely contested for the most part and were down the stretch, certainly, obviously, in the first one and the last one when the Nets made a comeback. But the Celtics are clearly the better team. They're deeper, they're bigger. They're one of the best, if not the best defensive team in the league, healthier. And they're two young guys who I said all along do not trade in green and on the way to becoming a total and complete superstar, Jason Tatum, uh, were better than the Nets' best two players. They were better than the two Nets superstars throughout the series. And 
they showed why they were the two seed in the East. They, they, they excelled defensively. They did a great job on Durant. They did a great job on Irving. But again, they're much deeper. They're much bigger. And they're just clearly better. They're a better team. And obviously the Nets never had the third guy uh, because... You mean Blake Griffin when, playing defense wasn't the third guy when, that they when, needed? When Harden was there, uh, Kyrie wasn't playing. When Kyrie came back, Harden didn't want to be there anymore, so he quit on them. And they make the deal that Ben Simmons never played. And you know, I, I like this deal for the Nets based on the fact you know, that I thought next year Ben Simmons will play. But who knows if Ben Simmons is ever going to play. I don't know what the hell Ben Simmons is going to do. No idea. Ben Simmons is ever going to play. You know, the, the, that back may be the back and the head. I don't know which one is the bigger problem. But between the two of them, uh, he's got issues, mental and physical. So who knows when we're going to see Ben Simmons again? And the, the Nets crashed and burned. It's as simple as that. And now we have a tremendous semifinal in the East, the two and the three, the young Celtics and veteran Celtics. They've got the great combination of the two young stars and the old folks like Al Horford, right? uh, Marcus Smart is kind of in between. Uh, they got the Williams brothers, no relation, a lot of depth. Tice coming off the bench. Uh, my guy, Peyton Pritchard, who I love coming off the bench. Uh, so they got a lot of versatility. They can do a lot of things to you defensively. They can shoot the three. They make the free throws against the defending champs who are going to be without Middleton, which is a big loss because uh, he's one of their big three. But they're pretty deep as well. And they had a, a relatively easy go of it against the Bulls, winning in five. So they're pretty pretty rested, ready to rock, relatively healthy with the exception of Middleton. You know, and Giannis, let's remember, Giannis is in better shape this year than he was last year because he hurt himself in the postseason. So he's ready and raring to go. But Celtics have got size. Celtics have got depth. Can they wear him down? We'll see. I think it's going to be a terrific series. I like the Bucs, even without Middleton, uh, because I like the way they played since Brooke Lopez has been back. It gives them size, versatility, and depth inside. And they're going to have to knock down some threes. And you know, they can be very streaky that way. Connaughton, uh, Wes Matthews, who is now there after his year with the Lakers. And uh, you know, Holiday is a streaky shooter. He can go two for 15 and then go you know, 10 for 14. But uh, without Middleton, they're going to have, to some guy, have to have some guys knock down threes. Portis has been very good for three-point range this year. And you know, we know that Lopez can step out and knock down three-pointers. So they're going to have to hit some outside shots because you know, they're clearly going to collapse you know, on Giannis and build a wall. So he's getting much better at moving the basketball against the double team, sometimes the triple teams. But those guys will have to hit shots. Boston has the home court, which doesn't mean a lot to me. They were down 2-0 to the Nets. They were down 2-0 to the Suns. And they came back both times in one. So it doesn't matter. You know, where they play, they've shown the resiliency to come back from 2-0 deficits, and they've been able to come back and win huge games on their own. So I have a lot of confidence in Milwaukee, but, you know, 
Boston has been the second best team in the league uh, for a good chunk of the season after that terrible start. They were absolutely terrific. And not just for beating teams, but just beating teams up. Winning games by 20, 30 points a night. And I think these games against the Nets helped them in that front also because they got to play some close games against big time players, you know, not against, you know, no offense, the, the Hawks, uh, who were not nearly as good this year, not against Cleveland, uh, but against the two stars with, champ- with your championships. And they bested them down the stretch in all four games. So I think that will bode well for them. But I think, uh, in the long run, I still like the team with the best player because he's the best player that does a lot of things. He doesn't just score. He scores, he defends, he rebounds, he passes. He's the game changer. We saw what he did last year. It was otherworldly against the Nets and against the Suns. It will be very difficult because, again, the Celtics have been playing terrific basketball. But you know, the old deal. You, you, you want to be the champs, you got to beat the champs. And uh, I'm I'm sticking with the Bucs. I was at them last year. You know, I rode them. Going to be tough, but I am staying with the defending champs. Your thoughts? I don't think he has to prove himself anymore. At least he shouldn't, but people still want him to. People still, for whatever reason, don't believe People still have him third, fourth, fifth in the best player in the world discussion. I mean, if Giannis can take down the Celtics without Chris Middleton, who everybody views as his Robin, and he's putting up these 30-plus point night performances every game like he basically did all of the first round, it's going to shut a lot of people up. I, too, like going with the best player on the team and the best player in the NBA, if not the best. He's in the top three. What he's able to do in the postseason when he flips that switch and turn things on, he's just going to need somebody every night. Similar to college basketball, where you're just going to ask the third guy, sometimes even a second guy, if you have a star, just give me something. One game. That's all they're going to need. Every night, somebody different's going to have to step up and fill that void. He's going to go out and get his. And he's just going to ask somebody to do something else. The question will be if they can. This Boston Celtics team's got a ton of momentum. This series could easily go six, easily go seven. I would lean the Bucks as well just because of what Giannis can do in the postseason. Especially when they get home. I don't expect them to lose any of the games there. they got to take one in Boston out of these first two. And if he's able to win that series, that continues to just shut a lot of people up showing what he's able to do on the basketball court. So we'll see. A lot of pressure on him, but hey, that's what you're expected to do, man. Let's see. Let's see what happens. It's going to be a fun series. No question about it. I think the Bucks are almost playing with house money. Yeah. I hate to say that. It's interesting. It, you know, they're the defending champs, and you know the, the pressure has been on Giannis these last couple of years, and now that he's won it, I don't think there's as much pressure as there's been in the past. Because remember, they were coming off the disappointing seasons where, you know, they had been upset and swept. I'm sorry. They lost in, I think they lost in five to to the heat. Um, 
in the bubble. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, yeah, it was ugly. But the point is, pressure again last year, and down 2-0 to the Nets, they come back and win it. Down, you know, he gets hurt. They come back and win it. Uh, down 2-0 you know, against Atlanta. Down 2-0 to the Nets, they come back and win it. Uh, you know, Down 2-0 to Phoenix. Everybody knows Chris Paul finally going to get his championship. They come back and win it. And he plays, you know, just incredibly dominant at both ends of the floor. And I, I think that uh, he is you know, taking it to a level now where it's, you know, just play. I think the pressure is gone. He's a champion. He's a two-time MVP. He's a finals MVP. He brought Milwaukee the championship. He's got the long-term deal. They built this franchise and roster around him. They've got veteran players, players who all know what it's like to go through it, fill various roles, all went through it last year, and they know what the pressures are like to deal with to go on a championship run. And he's got guys who can help. Now, like I said, doesn't have Middleton. So you know, I, I, somebody's going to have to step up once in a while, not every night. As we talked about before, it doesn't have to be that one particular guy. Just got to be a guy, whether it's Lopez, whether it's Connaughton, uh, whether it's Grayson Allen, you know, who they're booing yeah. on a regular basis, which is hysterical. It's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. His own bench booing him, his own crowd booing him. I, I think it's, it, it, it is so funny to see. And I think it's kind of a cool thing that they've, uh, that they've turned this deal into where I think it actually helps the player. I think it loosens him up. I think it makes him feel good uh, because, you know, people are caring about him. People are paying attention to him really in such a goofy sort of way that it's happened. But I, I think it's actually helped the player immensely and he's playing great. So I, I'm going to go with the Bucks, uh, even though I think the Celtics are playing terrific. Uh, I just think that the Bucks will find a way and they'll do it in six I think they'll get a split to start the series uh, in Boston. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. Philly is taking care of Toronto. So, so much for coming back from the three love deficit as they obliterated uh, the dinosaurs tonight in Toronto. So they will now take on uh, the one seed, which is the Heat. And out west, as we speak, I shouldn't say as we speak, Phoenix is taking care of uh, the upstart Pelicans behind. You know, Everybody will jump back on the Chris Paul bandwagon now as arguably the third greatest point guard of all time since he went 14 for 14 against the Pelicans tonight and they rallied in the fourth quarter, knock off the Pels. So they will take on the winner of the jazz and the, now is that game over yet? Cause I'm watching the draft. No, it's just at the half. How about Chris Paul? 14 for 14 for 33 yeah. points. <laughs> yeah. A bunch of, Bunch of danglers that oh, rolled in off the off the rim, up off the board. Everything he threw up went in. 
everything he threw. I understand he's a great player. I just, you know, I never, I, I've never liked him. He gets it done in all these spots. He never gets it done in the biggest of spots. Is that a knock? It's my knock. All right. Uh, you know, he's been to one final. He's never won a championship. You can't compare him to the likes of Magic Johnson, who went to you know, who went to nine finals in twelve years and won five championships, or Isaiah Thomas, who went to three straight finals and won two championships. You just can't do it. Or, or Oscar Robertson. He's a, he's a he's a terrific point guard. You know, maybe 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 if he finally wins a title, I can get him into my top five. Maybe. But not yet. Not yet. You know, he's got all the numbers. He's been around for 100 years. So he's compiled all the stats. But when push comes to shove in the big moments, he and or his team have never gotten it done. And we're comparing with guys who've got multiple rings. All-time player, you know, Oscar Robertson. Like I said, Isaiah Thomas and, of course, the great Magic Johnson. People talk about you know, Kevin Durant, you know, Steph Curry. Magic Johnson's career is as follows. As a 20-year-old rookie NBA champion, 1981, gets hurt. They lose in the first round to Houston when it was two out of three, not three out of five, two out of three. 1982, NBA champion. Beat Philly again in six. 1983, go to the finals, get swept by the great Philly team with the hurt Norm Nixon, James Worthy, and McAdoo, both out with injuries. 1984, go back to the finals again, losing seven to the Celtics. 1985, back to the finals, beat the, the, the Celtics in six. 86, lose in, I believe, the conference finals, may have been the semis to Houston in five, terrific Houston team, Ralph Sampson, the great Akeem Elijah on. 1987, back to the finals, beat the Celtics in six. 1988, back to the finals, first team to win back-to-back in 20 years, beat the Pistons, the bad boys, in seven, James Worthy, uh, MVP. 1989, go back, Trango for the three-peat. Magic gets hurt, Byron Scott gets hurt, gets swept. 1990, losing uh, early in the playoffs to a tremendous Phoenix team that was red hot. When the Lakers went in smoking, uh, Riley's last year, 1991, everybody hurt, and Magic drags them to a stunning upset of Portland in the conference finals, and they go to the NBA finals and lose to Michael uh, in five, and as the Bulls and Michael Jordan win their first six titles. So that's uh, nine trips to the finals, and in the playoffs every year in 12 years. And those were his 12 years, after which he retires because the contracting the HIV virus makes a short comeback. But the, the point is everybody talks about, you know, LeBron, how about those 12 years, nine trips to the finals in 12 years and in the playoffs, all 12 of those years. I mean, are you kidding me? Steph, let me see Steph Curry do that. They didn't make the playoffs the last couple of years. Oh, well, you know, this one's hurt. Well, yeah, being hurt's part of the game. Magic didn't miss seasons. Part of being great. 12 seasons, nine trips to the finals, playoffs every year. First time Warriors are back in the playoffs in three years. Yeah, they're terrific. But let's not compare these people to the best there's ever been. Because that's what we're talking about. 
We're talking about a career that started after he won a national championship as a sophomore. Then he goes right to college, to the pros and, and leads the Lakers in game six without Kareem Abdul-Jabbar into Philly and plays center and forward and point guard and scores 42 against the likes of Caldwell Jones and Daryl Dawkins and, oh, by the way, Julius Irving and Steve Mix and Bobby Jones and Maurice Shakes. A tremendous Philly team. Arguably one of maybe the greatest game in the history of the finals, certainly by a rookie. So it, it's just amazing the way they do every, every well, he's one of the greatest. Uh, what a, go to nine championships in 12, nine finals in 12 years and call me. Do that. And you don't get Kevin Durant thrown in to help you out. You already have Kareem Abdul Jabbar, which helps you out. But you got to win those games. And look who, look who they're playing against. Look at some of those teams. It's it's not really an argument when it comes to that. And I don't know why. Well, everybody's prisoner of the moment, of course, this generation not having to watch. Every, every, everyone is about the here and now. Everything is one of the best. Everybody's a potential all-time great. Everybody's the best I've ever seen. We want to know something? If you have the best you've ever seen, you ain't seen much. You ain't seen much. Again, like we talked about last week, to be great, you need to be very good or great more often than not. Two great games out of 10 does not a great player make. A guy who goes and puts up 45 one night and seven the next or 12 the night, you know, the, the, the next night, that's not a great player. It's a guy who had a great night. They talk about that. Well, they have been talking about that on the post-game shows on TNT. Those guys were mentioning Carl Anthony Towns, for example, going out in playoff games and get what nine points, eleven points. Can and and can these guys, you know, and to their credit, do you see the Celtics or the Bucks every time they make a big play? Are they like pretending they're talking on the phone? You know, are they showing guys with like they're, you're too small? No, they're turning around, they're running back down the other end of the court, and they're playing defense. This stuff is, you know, these antics during the games, they're just clown shows, whether it's Patrick Beverly, Carl Anthony Towns, play the game. And when you've never won anything, like you just got here, what are play you doing? The game, would you please? And then maybe that's why you haven't won anything. You're too busy fucking around. You know, with the clown show, so everybody can see. And the, the, it's one thing to talk trash and chirp away, which Michael Jordan was the king of doing, along with Larry Bird. But this stuff, where you're concentrating on the other guy with the hand motions and the antics, and you know, they were talking on the phone and you bend over to show you're too small. Next to you, your guy stick it in your face on the other end of the court. I mean, it's just, it, it's insane. It's, it's ludicrous. These guys, it's like they're on the playground. Dude, this is the real world now. This is for money. This is for championships. This isn't for who's got next. I know that's important too when you're out there, but th- th- this is for the bags. This is for the LOB. Stop acting, stop acting like buffoons and play like pros professional conduct yourself like a professional in whatever line of work you're in give it a try folks
I don't care what you do. If you want to be a pro, acting like a horse's ass isn't part of the job description. I think the most pressure is in the same place as it was to start the playoffs. The most pressure is on Chris Paul and Phoenix to not get to the finals, but to win the finals. Yep. And in the East, the most pressure is, is clearly on the Sixers. Absolutely. You know, as soon as they lose a couple of games, we all go, Doc's blown those three one leads. I mean, could, could they be the first team to lose four in a row? And then they go and they dispose of Toronto uh, handily tonight after a tight first half. And now they take on the number one seed, a Heat team, which you know, clearly this, the, the sum is greater uh, than the parts. Jimmy Butler will get you 45 one night and not play the next. Adebayo gets you the great defense, but here's where you worry about the Heat. You worry about the Heat in that they are undersized. You know, Bam's, Bam's a really terrific young player and excellent defensively, but he is dwarfed by the big man. You know, Embiid towers over him. He's a much bigger, more physical presence. You know, can they handle Embiid? And how does the old man play? How does, you know, Hollywood Bags, uh, James Harden play in this series? Because he prides themselves on defense. They have a lot of people to throw at him. Uh, He is going to have to play better and, I believe, be more productive than he was against Toronto for them to win this series. Because the Heat will get production from other guys. They'll get production from Tyler Hero. They'll get uh, you know, a, a bundle of threes one game from Duncan Robinson because you know he's incredibly streaky and he's always got he's got one of these games where he's knocked down eight threes. He won't do anything every other game in the series. He'll have one game where he knocks down eight threes. Uh, but how are the supporting cast, uh, you know, really have not a lot of playoff experience uh, for the Heat going to play uh you know some of these young players that have developed so quickly for them uh, you know uh, how well are they going to play as a one seed uh you know against this philly group that has experience uh you know in Embiid and harden and you know, has experience you know with harris tybo doesn't have a lot of experience but the point is between the coach and, and the group they don't have a lot of experience together since Harden just got there, but they have plenty of playoff experience. And, you know, is Struce going to be a big-time player in this postseason the way he's been you know, so far? For the Heat, they, they get it from somebody else seemingly every night. And that's a tribute to, obviously, you know, Pat Riley and you know, the job that their wonderful, you know, not-so-young head coach does on a regular basis and you know the ever sickening uh heat culture that we have to hear about but they are the one seed so did the victors go the spoils they deserved it they had a little lull with about you know, 25 games to go they put the pedal to the metal and they got back to the top of the uh the food chain and you know, it goes through miami this is an intriguing series to me and i have to be honest with you i have no idea which way to go I'd like to say, oh, well, you know, you know, the, the, the way that he play, it's going to be a difficult matchup. And, you know, the Sixers got through the, 
the series that they needed to get through because we thought, I haven't got a fucking clue who's going to win this series. No idea. I don't know which Heat team is going to show up. I don't know which Heat team shows up from night to night. Because sometimes they can't miss from three, and Tyler Hero's knocking down 35, and Duncan Robinson hitting eight threes, and they're flying up and down the court. They're defending, and the next night they can't put the ball in the ocean. Now they shoot a ton of threes. Shoot a ton of threes. But I think at times they struggle to score when they're not hitting threes. So I think that's something to keep an eye out for. And again, you know, I, I think Harden is going to have to be more productive scoring-wise. He's been okay in this past series in terms of distributing. I think he's going to have to score more efficiently and, and do so efficiently. I don't mean, you know, the, the, the 38 on, you know, 10 for 32 shooting. And we'll see if he's got it in him. This is why Daryl Morey made the move one more time. This is why, you know, he remarried. You know, his his first love and brought him back. I, I don't think it's gonna and I, I don't think they're gonna go to the finals. I certainly think they're gonna win it. I don't think they're gonna gonna go to the finals. But to me, anything less than going to the conference finals is a disappointment. What'd you bring Harden in for? Right. You know, to lose in the, to lose in the second round? To lose to the Bucks or the Celtics? That's not gonna get it done. In the athletes, they're just like us portion of the world at 10 53 Eastern time. One Lamar Jackson, the starting quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens tweeted out WTF. And then a half hour after that had to retweet and say, it's not about my new center. Stop that BS. So I don't think he's very happy that Hollywood Brown no, Hollywood, Hollywood, Hollywood Brown is his guy. Hollywood yeah. Brown was his guy. Well, let's hope that day two and three bring a little bit more sunshine to the Baltimore Ravens and Allen White Plains. Al, it's always a pleasure. We'll do it again next week. Folks, from my partner, the great John Tiny Lund, I am Al Renato, a.k.a. from White Plains. Enjoy your sports weekend, including the rest of the National Football League draft coming this weekend and, of course, the NBA playoffs. Take care, everybody. We'll be back 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening.